Today the tap is live for Thursday. It is March the 2nd. We are talking Wisconsin importance rankings for the month of March. Uh, we'll get into what things matter the most in what should be an awesome month for Wisconsin sports. We have, obviously, the NCAA tournament cooking. We have Aaron Rodgers. We have some other stuff maybe you're not thinking of, some of the bigger games to circle, an awesome date on the calendar that you all need to make sure you're ready and prepared for. Uh, so, yeah, lots to talk about there. We're going to also recap the Bucks' big win against the Orlando Magic, why they showed their depth in this game, why also they can be lethal in the three-point variety. And I feel like that's the first time we're saying that in quite some time. We'll go through bracketology. Where does Marquette sit? Where does Wisconsin sit? Joel Lenardi also is a mastermind uh, scheming up something that is a real possibility. And so we actually have to talk about it, which we will discuss later on in today's show. Before we get going, just a reminder to follow along on social media, Tevin Keg on Twitter, Tevin Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We are also available at that same handle at Facebook. Also, something I'm going to probably put out on the social channels, but I'll get ahead of it for people who are listening. Uh, we will have a bracket challenge. Um, it's There's been some debate whether we go from Yahoo to ESPN. I may put up a poll on Instagram, Tevin Keg Sports, may put one up on Twitter as well. Uh, we will still run the same first prize, $100 to the winner. Um, we call our cash. Like, we'll just flush you $100. You win it. No questions asked. You got that. And an optional appearance, an optional uh, prize to appear on the podcast. And whether it be with me or be with me and Mitch, you could also choose me and Shannon. Like, any of those that you want to be on, you would be on there. You do the podcast with us. You'd hang out. We'd have a good time. We'd talk about what you want to talk about. Um, I'd work with you on a schedule. You know, if you had things you wanted to touch on, things you want to talk about, um, we would get into all of it. And if you weren't comfortable with that or you, you wanted to keep your anonymity, I get that. Um, and we wouldn't we wouldn't do that. And that, it, that's why it's optional. You still get the 100 bucks, uh, no matter what. Uh, but I am looking for help with second place prizes, third place prizes. If you know someone who'd want to contribute, if you have some ideas on what you would want to do from a second and third place perspective, please let me know. Um, we'd be happy to uh, happy to dig into different things we could we could do. Uh, love love to get some ideas going, um, and feel free to shoot those over, uh, whether it be on Twitter, having uh, the keg, or having the keg sports on Instagram uh, in the DMs, or if you need to email me. I still don't have a tabbing the keg email, which is bad. Uh, snowtap12 at gmail.com. Uh, if you guys don't know what Snowtap is, that's a story for another time. Uh, also, right before we get going with the importance rankings, um, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. Make sure you're subscribing. Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. If you're already subscribed, share it. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Tell your parents. Tell whoever who will be interested in Wisconsin sports. We're getting you set up for March. Let's do the damn thing. It's going to be a big month. I think we all should prepare for a lot of different things, whether it is heartbreak, whether it's excitement, whether it is getting ready for what's to come. There are, March has a lot that's to be promised. When it comes to heartbreak, that could be Aaron Rodgers staying with the Packers or Aaron Rodgers leaving. That could be Marquette having an early exit in the tournament. That could be Wisconsin missing the tournament altogether. Excitement. Could be the inverse. 
whether it's Roger staying, Rogers leaving, however you fall on that side of the coin. It could be Marquette making a run to the Final Four. It could be Wisconsin pulling a Cinderella run into the Sweet 16. It could be the Milwaukee Brewers getting started for opening day. It could be the Milwaukee Bucks getting ready for the NBA Finals. Or, well, the playoffs, but you get my point. March proves to be exciting. So let's rank it 1 to 10. What are the most important things in the month of March? What are dates we should be looking out for? What are other things that are on the precipice? Let's get into it right now. Number one is the Aaron Rodgers decision. Yes, I know it's March Madness. I know we all get excited. I know it's the best four days of the year, in my opinion. I, I love March Madness more than any person. Honestly, maybe not that. That's a little intense. But I, I love it. Like, it's all time, one of my favorite times of the year. I take off of work anytime I can. Uh, funny story on that. The one time I wasn't going to be able to because I started a new job, uh, COVID-19 hit. And there was no tournament. And so the record stays intact. But we're not to talk about March Madness first. It starts with Aaron Rodgers and his decision, whether he wants to be a Green Bay Packer or not. And the ultimatum date is March 15th. It is the league year. Rodgers said on Aubrey Marcus's podcast that he's not going to make anybody wait. He's If they think he's being a diva about this, uh, they can tune him out. Basically, I think that was for Stephen A. Smith. Uh, even though Aaron was in the darkness, I'm sure he got briefed on what people said. While he was in the dark, he was kind of like, shut the fuck up if you don't want to hear from me, which I love. And I, I honestly don't think you will hear a lot from Aaron Rodgers in the next few weeks. I'm sure there'll be a lot of smoke screens coming out of the combine during the combine this week. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't expect to hear a lot from Aaron Rodgers until that March 15th date. And that date, for those who are curious, is two weeks Wednesday from now. So that's when we might know what Aaron Rodgers decides to do. And if it, it might be a week before, it might be with Pat McAfee on that Tuesday before, uh, whether it's the 14th or the 7th, uh, we will see where it all breaks down. Rodgers staying, but it's it's not much. It's like 55%. I, I have no idea if Brian Gunacus knows either. I, I don't know if Green Bay has a plan. Like I, I said that a little bit on yesterday's show, but it's like, do you have a plan? Do you know exactly what you're going to do here? And why I kind of felt bad that Brian Gutekunst is in this position because I don't think they expected this from Jordan Love. And now that Jordan Love's hit a new level, I think their they their just hands are tied. And I'm really hoping that they come to an outcome where everybody can stay, everybody can be happy, and it rolls on. Because I, I think those who want Rodgers gone don't know how hard it will be to see Aaron Rodgers in another uniform and don't know the potential pain that's on the precipice if that team goes to the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl. And he repeats the same fate that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning had. I think no one has any idea how much that, that will suck. And if it means one more year of Rodgers to avoid that and a chance at glory again, and Rodgers has basically said the chip on his shoulder seems to be back, like, let's go. Let's roll. The one more year with the guys, with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, you get new rookies in there, maybe are able to sign a free agent here or there. I, I'm all for it. But everything for the Packers starts with that Aaron Rodgers decision. And that's why it's the most important thing in March, because we will know the direction that Green Bay is going. And we'll have six months, if you will, to talk about what's going to happen and how this is all going to play out. I'll also remind you that when... Devontae Adams got traded. It was the first day of the NCAA tournament, about 4.30, 5 o'clock 
Uh, I will say I was a bad podcaster, hand up, because I went and got drunk that night and tried to do a podcast that next morning, or no, that night. And I slurred my way through that. Like, I really, really badly slurred. And I was like, you know what? I got to try to do this tomorrow. And I got out late because obviously I, I had the day off and, you know, I had no real, uh, I had no real, like, intention to make anything happen. And the immediacy was a little little hungover, if you will. Uh, but my wife was stranded. She was supposed to be home that night from New York. She was on business. And she calls me like right after it got traded. And I go, I'm in crisis mode. Devontae Adams just got traded. And she was not happy, uh, to say the least. But I, I think you all understand. So could Rodgers, if they decide to move him, could he get moved during that NCAA tournament time? Absolutely. And if that happens, well... Your boys, well, maybe your boy will make a better decision and not uh, not get too sauced up so he can do a podcast at the at the end of the day. Speaking of the tournament, number two is the Marquette Golden Eagles and their NCAA tournament hopes. It is going to be a very fun ride for the Golden Eagles, whether they are a two seed, whether they are a three seed, whether they are a four seed. It will be very entertaining to watch Marquette in the NCAA tournament with a legitimate shot at potentially winning the national championship. Yeah, I said it. I said it. Okay. All right. It's out there. Uh, they're 26 to one. I think you can at least have the conversation. Do I think Marquette's going to win it? No, I don't. But do I think that there is a chance if it breaks the right way? Absolutely. It is definitely on the table. They have been that good this season. You could make an argument that Marquette could have been a one seed had they beat Purdue had they won their two overtime games they have with Providence and Wisconsin, Marquette could be looking at a one seed. They're not a one seed, but still, they could have been looking at that potential opportunity. So that, to me, is is crazy in itself. So there should be some thought that Marquette can do this and make it all the way to not only the Final Four, but potentially the National Championship. Now, am I setting that expectation for Marquette? No, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. Because that, to me, is stupid. That is stupid as a sports fan. I think you, when you win a championship, and you get to that mountaintop, and you can do it again, then you can kind of start feeling that. You can start feeling that energy. You can start feeling that excitement. But right now, where Marquette is with the youth of their team, the biggest goal is just winning that first game. Getting that first game under your belt. So the lower thirds wipe off. They haven't won since 2013. Shock Smart hasn't won since 2011. That shit is over. That th shit is dead and buried. And then try to get to the Sweet 16. And then once you're in the Sweet 16, I qualify as house money. I really do. I think if they get to the Sweet 16, they are in absolute house money position. But it's going to be an absolute blast to watch. It's going to take a lot out of you. I'd have to go back and do some hit, some nostalgia theater, and maybe we will um, before the tournament starts. But those 3-14 games have not been the easiest when Marquette has found themselves at a three seed. Um, they've had a lot of heart racers in the first first game. Who could forget the Davidson uh, game where Marquette looked dead and buried, looked like they were going to go out as a three. They somehow found a way to win late. Vanderblue hits a layup to win. Vanderblue then had an awesome game against Butler the next game. Butler not in Marquette's conference. Marquette finds their way to the Sweet 16. I think, I can't remember that year who if they lost the Sweet 16 or not. Uh, you guys are going to kill me. Okay, I don't think that was the Florida year they lost the Sweet 16. 
they did they go to the lead eight? Was that the Syracuse year? I'd have to look. But yeah, that I mean that was an incredible, incredible uh, couple of days. But it took five years off your life, and I was much younger then, where I could I could deal with that. Now it's like I'd be pacing, I'd be screaming, I'd be yelling. Uh, as I I think I told somebody, and I can't remember if I said this on the podcast. You know, the last couple of years with Marquette, it's been pretty quiet. Like I haven't really had to worry about a lot of stress in March. So I'd be able to kind of take a couple months off before the Bucks really got going. Now it's all gas and bricks. I'm in it until maybe April. And then if I get a couple of weeks off, then I'm back at it again with the Bucks in the playoffs. It's going to be quite the journey. Let's see here. No, the Florida year, they beat BYU. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was the that was the team. That was a 2013 team. So last time they had won a game. It was the heart, the thumper against Davidson. They won by two against one against Davidson, two by Butler. A lot of people were not picking them to beat Miami. They kicked Miami's ass, and then they lost to Syracuse. They only scored 30, 39 points, and Syracuse made it to the tournament, uh, or made it to the Final Four. That is. Uh, so yes, we'll see what Marquette can do. I am very excited for this. Uh, it, as uh, Mitch said to me. Uh, when we were together last week, he's like, you're like really excited about college basketball. I'm like, yeah, man. Like I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at matchups. I'm looking at mid-majors I want to play, mid-majors I don't want to play. Uh, yeah, it's it, the whole the whole shebang is on the table right now. Uh, all right, we got to go a little quicker through these important rankings. Or this is going to be an hour-long podcast. Uh, number three is the Bucks hunt for the one seed. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks have won 16 straight games. We'll talk about their win against the Orlando Magic later in the show. But it, it really looks like the Bucs are poised to be the one seed in the Eastern Conference. I realize they're only a half game up on the Boston Celtics. But the stuff that the Milwaukee Bucks have been doing for the last six weeks is nothing short of incredible. They have won 16 straight games, as I just mentioned. They have not lost since January 21st. They are 45-17 and 17 and looking like an absolute juggernaut. Now they have a game against Philadelphia on Saturday which is known as the ladder revenge game, as I'm calling it. Uh, and I think it's one the Bucs will want. I think the Bucs will really want that one. I I don't think Philly is going to want that smoke on Saturday. And if the Bucs were to get that, that'd be 17. But then they have a very tough little, little road trip here where they actually have a back-to-back, which wasn't supposed to be a back-to-back. But they play Sunday night in Washington and then Tuesday in Orlando, which is their third game in four days. I realize... They just disposed of the Magic, and they played Brooklyn again before heading out on the West Coast for Golden State, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Now, is there a world where the Bucks are still on their winning streak for Golden State, still on their winning streak for Phoenix? The other question is, will the national media pay attention to the Bucks? No one's really talking about this Bucks win streak. I understand that the Bucks are in flyover country. I get it. But Giannis is a huge star. Giannis won All-Star Weekend. The Bucs deserve a little more respect, and they are not getting any of it right now in terms of the national media. They just had Celtics Day where they did all access with the Boston Celtics on ESPN, which was it was really kind of weird. There wasn't really any rhyme or reason. I don't know if this is something that ESPN was trying out. They were seeing if they could get more engaged you know, Boston fans, right? I, I always, the marketer in me then wonders, like, why are you doing this? And so I have to wonder if that was part of it. We'll have to see. But with the Bucs playing on ABC the next two Saturday nights, 
you'd think that there would start being some national media attention around what the Bucs are doing right now and the case for Giannis Antetokounmpo to potentially win MVP. Being somewhat with the Bucs, you have to circle March 30th. That is a day that you should make sure you have nothing going on. Why that is? The Milwaukee Brewers are playing against the Chicago Cubs for opening day in Chicago. And then later that night, you have the Bucks and the Celtics on TNT, the last Bucks Celtics game, the game where hopefully everybody's healthy, mano y mano, to decide who has the tiebreaker between the two teams, which could we very well come down to it. Who gets the one seed? Who gets the two seed? It will be a playoff-like atmosphere in the Fiserv Forum. It is a can't-miss basketball game. It, because we don't know the tournament schedule and everything like that, of course, tournament games are must-watch. But Bucks celtics is as good of an NBA game as you could possibly get. And it is, there are going to be fireworks. There's a lot of talking between the fan bases. I think there's a lot of talking between the teams. I think the Bucks know they might have left one on the table last year. If they had Chris Middleton, that series would be different. Now Chris Middleton is back in the fold. They added Jay Crowder. He's a former Celtic, so he has a little bit maybe of maybe revenge. They are Bobby Portis is back, who wasn't there the last time. They they did have you know they, they didn't see any of Boston last time. Boston kind of ducked them. So will Boston duck them again? I hope not. I haven't even looked at the schedule to see if Boston has a back to back. But if they do, they are true pussies. They are absolute fucking weak. Like if that happens, I will rage to all holy hell. We need to see a full matchup between the two teams, especially when it's being decided for a one seed. So fingers crossed that everybody can stay healthy for that game because that is like the last, last thing I want. It will be a back-to-back for the Bucs, by the way. The Bucs played uh, Indiana the night before because, of course, they do, right? Why Why couldn't the Bucs have a day off before they play the Boston Celtics? Let's see. I bet the NBA will, will grant that to Boston. Let's check. Boston does have a day off. They play Washington on the road on Tuesday. Then they play Milwaukee before heading home for Utah for a back-to-back on March the 31st. So they do have a back-to-back themselves, but it's they're the front end of the back-to-back, not the back end of a back-to-back. So we'll be interested to see roster management there. But yeah, and that, I mean, that's like four games before the regular season ends. That, that might be the last great regular season game of the year before everybody starts getting ready for the playoffs. And it's just, it just means a ton. Like I, the having the home court advantage really matters for a team like Boston. Boston is very good at home. Their crowds are great. And you need to have that home court advantage for game seven. And that is something that's imperative for the Bucs. And also too, it, it could mean not playing the seven seed. And that seven seed could be Miami. That seven seed could be Toronto. I think you it would behoove you to get the eight where the team you're playing is not at the level of a Heat or a Raptors. And you could, you know, have I wouldn't say a cakewalk because it's still a playoff team, but have an easier playoff opponent at that one eight level and and so on. So we'll have to see there. But yeah, I am so excited for Buck Celtics already. And we didn't even talk about the other part of March 30th, opening day. Uh baseball's back, the pitch clock has been a revolutionary thing. And I don't think anyone's surprised. I Theo Epstein talked about this with Bill Simmons on his podcast. Ash, I don't know. You'd have to 
Google it. I think it was post-COVID, but might have been pre-COVID. But Theo took Theo Epstein, former Cubs front office guy, Boston front office guy, is now working for the commissioner. And some of this stuff that's been implemented is Theo Epstein's ideas to make the game more engaging, make the game more fun. And the fact that they're shaving off 20 minutes, the fact that there are more hits and there are more runs being scored because the shift is banned. Like this is all good for baseball. This is all stuff that I think will bring in more casual fans. And people will say, you know, to their buddies in group chats, like, hey, are, are you watch like have you watched baseball recently? And they'll be like, No, why? Like I, I make my tune in for the occasional brewer game, but I don't I don't usually check stuff out. Why why do you say that? It's because it's just, you know, it's two and a half hours and you're out. Like it's game starts at seven ten and it's over at nine forty. It's similar to watching a Bucks game, right? It's not going to be this arduous process anymore. And I think baseball has done a lot of good there. I understand some of the purists might want the relaxing feel of baseball that where you can put it on the background similar to golf and you don't have to pay a ton of attention to know what's going on. I, I, I get that, but it, it didn't work, right? It, it, it did not result in the higher ratings, higher demand, more excitement. Uh, and I don't know what it will do for the attendance. I think there will be fans that will come to the game more often on Mondays through Tuesdays. Monday through Thursday, knowing that they're going to be able to get out of there at the 940. You know, once traffic, everything clears up, you're probably out on the road by 10 o'clock. You're home and in bed probably at 1030 if you really want to do it that way. That's not bad. You'll take that any day of the week over the three or three and a half hour baseball games. So, yes, opening day on Thursday against the Cubs, Corbin Burns likely on the mound. The Brewers at Wrigley to start their year for the second straight year. Hopefully, starting it with a bang. They did lose last year uh, in their first game at Wrigley. So, hopefully, the tides can turn. Hopefully, the weather is going to be good. Uh, there's going to be no Tyrone Taylor. That stinks. I uh, might talk about that tomorrow with Mitch about early spring training thoughts, if we have any. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun. I think this Brewer season is an interesting one. I think this is one of the more tumultuous Brewer seasons that maybe we've ever had, right? Like, there's the years where we know the Brewers are going to suck. And we know the Brewers aren't going to be that good. And Brewers probably should have made this important. So let's, let's, let's put the Brewers at five here. We're going to audible uh, our five. Brewers are at five. Uh, that means that my 10 is out, which I will tell you what my 10 was. But yes, the Brewers just this season is so interesting for them, right? And where, do, where does it end up? Does it go to the positive fan side of things where the Brewers win 95 to 100 games? They're actually pretty good. They surprise everybody. And the, the infusion of young talent combined with their you know veteran leadership and the Brewers are somehow this wagon and a potential World Series contender. And all of a sudden, it's David against all of these Goliaths that spend a ton of money. That Now, that's far-fetched, right? But what what Marquette did this season was far-fetched. And so, I don't know. I mean, the point of anything is possible land. Now, the other side of the spectrum, let's call it the Mitch spectrum, is that they they win 82 games or they win 78 games. They're not very good. And all the things that people worried about come true. The bullpen's a complete mess. There's pitcher injuries. The Brewers might trade Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff and really piss off this fan base. We'll have to see. 
we'll have to sort of see what happens. But I I would lean, I'm an optimist at heart. Maybe they're not the wagon that I described, but I do think the Brewers are going to be pretty good this year. I think the pitching staff's excellent. I think the early returns on the young talent, at least in spring training, is really solid. I think I will buy into a Christian Yellich bounce back season every fucking year until I'm proven wrong. I still think that guy has it. I still believe it's not just he had juice ball, the juice balls. I was going to say he had juice balls, but uh, that he was hitting juice balls. Like, I, I just don't believe it. So, yeah, Brewers check in at number five. We'll talk probably a lot more about the Brewers in our April important rankings. Number six, the Wisconsin bubble. So going back to the NCAA tournament, Wisconsin is on the bubble. Uh, they are one of the last teams in. They have a massive game against Purdue tonight uh, where if the Badgers win, I think it really helps their case. I don't know if it safely puts the Badgers in the tournament, but it's a huge step forward for Wisconsin. And that would be a major, major accomplishment. And Steve Crawl is probably as good of a guy to match up with Zach Eady. And I think their guards can do all right against the young guards of Purdue. So, yes, this is important for the bubble. This is step one. And then a phrase I like to use often, Wisconsin can't trip on their dick in the conference tournaments. So they will be sweating it out. I do think the committee will favor a team like Wisconsin because they are going to bring fans wherever they wherever they are put, right? Dayton will bring fans out. If they go to Sacramento, they'll bring fans. Denver, bring fans. Des Moines, obviously, will bring Badger fans. Badger fans travel well. Badger fans look for any excuse to go out and, and go to a game. They they don't need the team to be good. And I think the cool thing about the NCAA tournament is there's always that chance that you come through the ranks and find a way to you know be a be a Cinderella even as a power power school. Right? We saw with Marquette. Uh, in the Buzz Williams room, they were 11 seed one year, and they not they beat they beat Kentucky, then they beat Syracuse, uh, and then got blown out by North Carolina the next day. But still, like that was a major accomplishment, and you're a pseudo Cinderella. That's on the table for for Wisconsin, and I just think there will be more there they will be more likely to put the Badgers in than they would some of the other teams that are in that last four out category. Like, you look at it, besides North Carolina, who do you think the committee would rather have fan bases of? Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Penn State, Arizona State. I think they'd rather have Wisconsin there. They're going to travel the best out of those three. North Carolina, though, they would not. Uh, but I mean, you can act like that doesn't matter, but trust me, it, it, it weirdly does. All of a sudden, you see teams in certain spots. They're like, oh, that's convenient. It works out well for ticket sales. All right, we'll try to rip through the latter half of our importance rankings. Number seven, NFL free agency. You know, what happens there? Do the Packers bring back Alan Lazard? Do they get one of the big safeties, whether it's Jesse Bates or Von Bell? Do they make a move on one of those guys? Do they try to bring in more talent, you know, on the defensive line or a linebacker? You know, right now it looks like they've restructured deals to have about $40 million in cap space. Is that going to be enough? Some people are saying it isn't. I would argue the cap isn't real, so they can figure out a way to make stuff happen. But yes, NFL free agency right right around as March Madness is slowly approaching is definitely a tough one, uh, but you know, figure it out, right? We'll, we'll make it work. And I don't expect a lot of big splashes from Green Bay, but you never know with the, with the money they have available right now. And will they first day, hey, we're signing John Johnson, 
from the Cleveland Browns who just got released. We're signing Jesse Bates. Like those would be awesome headlines to read day one. And that they did that in 2018 when they missed the playoffs. The second straight year, Brian Gutekunst was in the helm. They added Zedarius Smith. They added Preston Smith. They added Adrian Amos. Now, granted, they did not have the cap restrictions as they do now, but Green Bay figures out a way around the cap, and they will try it again, I think, this time around. I think I would not be surprised if Green Bay makes a big splash early on to be like, yeah, we are not accepting the fact that we were a 7-10 football team last season. Clean that up, it was an 8-9 team. Uh, here I am trying to hit the post, and I'm like, 7-10. and 10. I'm like, ah, it's 8-9, and nine, you idiot. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, number eight, World Baseball Classic. Be a lot of brewers involved. Uh, it's definitely something to keep on the television. Uh, Devin Williams, obviously, will put himself in those in the big moments there. For Team USA, Sal Freelich for Italy. Ryan Telez playing, and, and Luis Urias playing for Mexico. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's something else to have on. The TV during the during the workday, uh, at random hours at night, like give me it all. It starts next Tuesday, so I'll I have to look at some of the times there where you have the games on because that that's just sort of the lead into Championship Week, and then you have the March Madness, everything else going on. But it's a good little extra extra thing to have to keep in mind, and hopefully all the Brewers players do well. Number nine, I have conference tournaments. Uh, I, I, I love conference tournament week. Uh, champ week, as they call it, conference tournament championship week is fantastic. It's always delivers. There are always really good games. There's basketball from sun up to sundown. Uh, you're usually sweating something out at 1135 or 1235 because you have someone minus six and they can't cover and it's going down to the wire and you've tied it to a parlay. Like it's all relatable in that week, that week, it, everything's out the door. Uh, there's just so much basketball to consume and it's a lot of fun. It, it, it I could make a case. I don't think it's better than the first weekend, but it, it's right there. It, it, it can really deliver. Um, and what's, and I think the, what's also kind of interesting about it is Thursday, Friday are usually a little more fun than Saturday. Like Saturday is a good time, but it's not, it, it, it never like elevates up. Like I feel like by Saturday, I'm almost burned out where I just do too much basketball and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I could do this. Then Sunday you're getting, you're getting fired up for the bracket. You're ready to see the bracket. It's a little different, a little, little different vibe. And you have it there yet again. But there's a lot of interesting subplots with the Big East and the Big Ten. They kind of are birds of a similar feather. With the Big East, you have Marquette as the top seed. I believe that is Xavier take over that two seed that I they beat Providence at Providence, which was a very impressive win for the Xavier Musketeers. So as it sits, you have Xavier as now Providence drops all the way to the four seed. Uh, as it stands today. So as it stands today, it's Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, Providence, Connecticut, Villanova, Seton Hall. So the potential semifinal matchups that we could be staring down, well, the quarterfinals are, are not going to be not going to be easy. Creighton will see Villanova in that quarterfinal. Villanova is coming on hot. They're not necessarily on the bubble, but there is a world where I could see Villanova winning four straight games in the Big East term, which might even include a victory against Marquette. Villanova is red hot. I don't think anyone 
wants to see Villanova. It's very cliche, but it's true. Providence, Connecticut to kick off uh, on the quarterfinals is an absolute war. Uh, and, and the fact that you could see then Providence Marquette in the semifinals, that's a, that's a pretty good rivalry between the fans. I don't think the players dislike each other, but if you had Providence Marquette in one of those semifinals, that, that could get gully, uh, and be, be a lot of fun. But yeah, I, very excited to see how it all shapes out. There's still obviously a lot of deck chairs to move. And then for the Big Ten, talk about moving deck chairs. Wisconsin's looking near the bottom of the Big Big Ten right now at nine and or at eight and ten right now. Uh, they Penn State won tonight in a dramatic fashion against Northwestern. I don't know how they break up tiebreakers if it's a one and one, uh, but that's basically the highest that Wisconsin can go uh, looking themselves as either an 11 or a 10 seed. So there, there's some, there's some work to do. Uh, if they are a 10 seed, they could be looking at Rutgers in the first round or the second round. And if they are a 11 seed, they could be looking at Michigan state. They could be looking at Northwestern, uh, maybe even an Iowa who's suddenly hot, but there is a lot of work left to be done on this tournament. Um, this will not get decided until next Sunday. Uh, the Badgers always seem to find their rhythm in the conference tournament. And I think this will be imperative that they do it again this time around. UWF, not to leave, lose sight of them. They have their first Horizon League tournament game against Wright State tonight. And I don't think it's at Panther Arena. I actually think it's at the Kloschke. But if you want to go watch hoops uh, and support UWF, go check that out. Uh, last thing, I'll say Buck Suns. I was going to say Giannis' MVP case. I'm going to go Buck Suns. I, I, the MVP stuff, as much as I want Giannis to win it, I really do think the nerds are dug in on Jokic. I don't think it's going to happen. I think if the Bucs were to win like 25 straight games, I think then all of a sudden you have to at least, you have to invite, if they win 20 straight games, you have to invite the conversation for Giannis for MVP. You already should be having it, but if the Bucs get to 20, it, it has to start really kind of sliding the other way. And then if it gets even higher than 20, then I think it might be a full-blown, you have to give Giannis the MVP for leading this team through one of the more incredible regular season runs because one of the near untouchable records is 33 straight wins for the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't think the Bucs are going to do that, right? Golden State Warriors got to 25. I think the Miami, the one of the LeBron Heat teams got to 28, right? Uh, so I, I think once you start getting into the mid twenties, it really becomes a story. And then I don't think anyone's sleeping on the Bucs at that point. So I, I will say that's 9.5. And then the other 9.5 is Bucks Suns Monday night. It's on NBA TV right now. I can't believe that. I have to think like ESPN or TNT is going to want to buy out that game. Like I have no idea how that works. Can you add games? I've never, I've never actually seen that done before, but it feels like a no brainer for the NBA to be like, all right, it's the Monday, uh, or it's a, it's a Tuesday. I, why did I think that was a Monday? It's a Tuesday of March Madness, right before March Madness. Oh, that's probably. I wonder if that's why, because they have the uh, they have the first four games. And there's kind of like a relationship between the NCAA and the NBA that they don't kind of overlap games. So maybe that's why. Whew, that's brutal. 
that if you're Adam Silver, you're like, ah, do I put in a phone call to Mark Emmerich or the new who's took over the NCAA now? It's uh, shit. Charlie Baker, a former Massachusetts governor. You put in a phone call, kind of grease Charlie up a little bit, be like, can we can we put this game on ESPN? Like, please, just let us do it. Uh, ESPN had an NIT shit going on that day. That's right. Wow, man. That's bad on the schedulers, uh, but they didn't know Kevin Durant versus Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's bad. I, I, I honestly, I, I do wonder if they're going to do something because that game is so like it, you just. I feel like you have to find that find a TV spot for that game. Like I, I, NBA TV, decent amount of people have it, but and you know it'll be on the RSNs for people at home. But I, I just I can't imagine that thing staying on NBA TV. That blows my mind. All right, that does it for the importance rankings. It was long. I hope it was fun. I hope you guys had a good time. Wow, it was longer than I really thought. Uh, 37 on the on the old dial, but no, I, this is an awesome segment. Uh, you guys have, have responded that you really enjoy it, uh, so we'll keep doing it. Uh, if I missed anything, hit me up in the comments uh, on Twitter or Instagram. Would love to love to chat. All right. Let's talk about our last two topics. We have the Bucks and Magic happened last night. The Bucks won 139 to 117. They were raining it from three. They had 26 three-pointers in this game. Just an incredible number for the Milwaukee Bucks. They could not miss. They jumped out early against the Heat, uh, or the Magic, excuse me, other, other Florida team, and looked really good doing it. Uh, they were up 76 to 66 at halftime, uh, and they never slowed down. 139 points. This Magic team is not necessarily known for their, their defense, but they are an emerging young team, and the Bucks took them to the wayside. You have to be impressed with that. I know that maybe some of you aren't that clued in on the NBA, but the Magic have given a lot of teams fits this year. They took Boston to a couple close games this year. Like Magic are a emerging team. They're not going to probably make the play in this year because they got off to a brutal start. Everyone was hurt. Uh, I feel like their season's entirely different if they're healthy to begin the year. But but they're they're decent, man. And you have to at least acknowledge what the Bucs did in this game with the 26 threes, with just the relentless offense. Yeah, they gave up 117. I'm not going to make too big a deal out of that, partly because the fact is they held <laughs> they they just they held the magic down. They held the magic away. They they played peekaboo. They they did not. They went on a run in the third quarter, and that's really all they needed. And it was it was set, and they they pulled away from Orlando in the early part of the fourth quarter, and it was just it was just good basketball for the Bucks offensively. No Chris Middleton who missed another back to back. I think that would be the one like negative, if you will. Uh, there's actually one more that we'll do in Golden Cakes, but I'm not I'm really not freaking out about Chris Chris's load management stuff. I think this is what the Bucs are doing. They're slow playing it, and they're just making sure that Chris is ready for the playoffs. And they are playing it really safe because the Bucs know they don't need him right now. And maybe the Phoenix game a couple weeks from now, maybe the Philly game on Saturday, maybe that's when you unleash the Middleton. I think it's coming at some point, but maybe not. Maybe it just isn't. Maybe we. this is what we have to expect for the rest of the year. And that, that's a conversation to have, but I'm not going to lose my mind that Chris Middleton's not playing a back-to-back against the fucking Orlando Magic. Like, I, I'm just not. You guys can, but I I will not do said thing. 
But yeah, it was it was a solid win for the Bucks. Uh, AJ Green, twelve off the bench, four made threes. AJ has such a good shot, like just straight up, like this really good three point shooter. And I I'm just really curious to see. Can you put AJ Green in for five minutes? I think I've mentioned that on the podcast a couple times before, but like I'm all in on the idea of like a quick AJ Green heat check microwave guy in the playoffs. This is one of the best Joe Ingles games uh, that we we've seen. Uh, we'd mentioned that in another show that Joe kind of had to get rolling, and that we were oh the Golden Kings episode we did last Friday. You can go back and listen to that where we kind of broke down everybody right before the break started, and I said that. You know, Ingles has been all right, but, like, we need to sort of see the offensive output. We saw it tonight, uh, 16 points for him, uh, four made threes. He was really – he was solid defensively, too. He's been guards and point guards, uh, which hasn't been – I shouldn't say that. He struggled a little bit defensively, uh, but he's guarding point guards, which my guy Shafty pointed out. Like, why is he guarding point guards? Someone said exercise, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, so, all in all, great night for the Bucs. Uh, if we do Golden Kegs, the best and worst. Who played the best, who played the worst. I was going to not give a three keg to Giannis because I feel like it's so easy to give Giannis a three keg every time. But you look at the stat line again and you say, all right, guy had 31 points in 28 minutes. He had four, he only shot the ball 14 times. He only missed four shots. He had three made threes. He only missed two free throws. He had seven rebounds. He had six assists. That is an incredible fucking stat line for Giannis Antetokounmpo. It will go under. It will go under the radar because it's a against the Magic. It's b. You know, it's not a double double. But you look at how fucking efficient that is, and we want to talk about it. Jokic's efficiency. Look at what Giannis fucking did tonight, guys. Like that. That's just incredible. Like really good shit from Antetokounmpo. Uh, love to see that. Uh, two kegs goes to three point shooting. Uh, like I said, it was a three keg potential. It's going to go to uh, 26 of 56 for the Bucks, 46% from three in the game. Uh, Giannis had three threes. Brooke had four. Conton had three. Allen, Grace Allen had three. Uh, Ingles and Green, who we mentioned earlier, had four. Jay Crowder had two. There were a couple people with missed threes, uh, including Thanasis, who was just in his bag at the end of the game. But yeah, the Bucks three point shooting has come to life, and it it's a part of the run, right? Obviously, the depth is a huge part. Like you can't ignore what the Bucks are doing, what the Bucks have from a depth perception, and that really helps, and that has sort of driven a lot of the things. But the the three point percentage for the Bucks is way up, and it's it's great. I mean, if you go back to February, the Bucks shot. 35% from three, which actually isn't that great. Uh, but, yeah, no, they're like middle of the pack, which is crazy uh, from a percentage perspective. So I guess <laughs> I guess it's not as good as I thought it was. But we have – okay, so we have last 15 games. Let's see if that's a little bit better for the Bucks from three-pointer. Three, seven, five, they're 11th in the league, which is interesting in terms of three-point percentage. They attempt the most. They have been attempting the most at 42 per game, which is actually higher than the Celtics. Warriors or the Mavericks. So interesting to note there. Uh, but yeah, uh, I even though maybe the stats don't show it, I think we've really seen an improvement in their outside shooting from earlier in the year to where they are right now. One keg by Portis. I promise you I'm not trying to be up on Portis. I really am not. It's just been a really rough uh, go of it for Bobby. Uh, he had no points tonight on uh, 17 minutes 
had only a couple of rebounds. Uh, I would imagine a, a high-scoring game like this that Bobby could have found his way, found himself a way to get involved. He didn't. Uh, I don't know if it's just him struggling with the new role, if it's him coming back from injury, but it's been a it's been a rough little stretch for Bobby. So hopefully he snaps out of it uh, sooner uh, rather than later. I think he's going to have a lot of juice for the game against Philadelphia on Saturday night. Let's move on to Wisconsin Bracketology. We haven't done this in a while, uh, which I apologize for. It's been a bad scheduling thing, uh, but we're back at it. We're going to look at the brackets. Uh, we use Joel Lenardi and Jerry Palm. Now, I know there are better ones out there. I understand it, but everybody looks at Lenardi. Everybody looks at Palm. So we will start there. With Joel Lenardi, we have Marquette as a three seed playing Colgate. Now, that would be an absolute shootout. It's in Albany. They're in the Louisville region. Uh, that will be first to 90, first to 100. Uh, Marquette, or Wisconsin played Colgate last year. It was a pretty close game. It went down to the wire. Uh, Wisconsin was able to pull away. Uh, but Colgate plays more of the style that Marquette does. So would that give Marquette fits? I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, that would be a good match. But it's kind of interesting that Colgate would get Albany, New York, because that's actually pretty close to Colgate's campus, I, I don't know if that would happen. I have to think that as a 14 seed, you should not get a home court advantage. But the NCAA tournament committee has been known to do some dumb shit, like rank Iowa State as a three seed, only to have Iowa State fall apart. Not that I'm still annoyed or bitter. They would play either in the second round. Now wait for this from Joel and Art. They would either play Kentucky, uh, who is the six. Now they did lose to Vanderbilt tonight, so I don't know how that affects that six seed. Or Wisconsin or Arizona State, as Wisconsin and Arizona State are in the playing game. Let's start with Kentucky, and then we'll talk about uh, potential terrifying <laughs> hypothetical. Kentucky is not one of those teams I want to play. Uh, I know they lost to Vanderbilt tonight, but Kentucky is talented. They are a very good basketball team, and I I think that Marquette would be all right. They'd figure it out, but I, I do worry about that one. Uh, Marquette's had some tournament success against Kentucky, uh, a la Dwayne Wade in 20, 2003. So could they just replicate that all over again? Uh, I do think that would be a great game. And then if we had the Wisconsin-Marquette matchup, oh boy. I, I, as I think someone pointed out, it's bound to happen at some point. I would imagine the committee stays away from the Marquette-Wisconsin thing. They play each other every year. It's not like it's one of those rivalries where – it's not, you know, played every year where it's, you know, I, I'm trying to think of a good example. Maybe like a Cincinnati, Ohio State, right? We don't get Cincinnati, Ohio State every every year. So if we can set it up at the tournament, that's fucking awesome. Like, let's do it. But I don't think they want to put in non-conference rematches, you know, prominently there. But if they do, and there is an opportunity for Marquette of Wisconsin to play on a neutral court, it will be a fascinating matchup. Wisconsin has given Marquette fits the last two years. Uh, I think they might be one of the few teams that Shaka Smart has lost to in both years of him coaching at Marquette. So that does worry me slightly. Uh, but Wisconsin would also have to go through Arizona State, according to Joel Lenardi, as well as Kentucky. So it's a kind of a tough hill to climb if you're just getting to round two of the NCAA tournament. But it would be a primetime game for the state of Wisconsin. If Marquette were to advance, they would head to Louisville. They would play Texas, Duke, or USC. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to play Duke right now. I think Duke's played really good basketball. 
I highly doubt Duke will be a seventh seed. Uh, when the dust sells, it's at more possible, I think, that Marquette could see Duke as a sixth seed than they would as a seven. Texas will be an ultimate shock and revenge game uh, for how he was treated there. And if they were to go any further than that, it would be Alabama that they would see as their regional final mate, Alabama. Every time it looks like they're going to lose, they were on the ropes against Arkansas. They're on the ropes against South Carolina. They're on the ropes against Auburn. They found a way to win. Now, is there a worry that can you do that against a team you're not familiar with? I, I don't know. Uh, they're very talented. I know they're going through a lot of controversy, a lot of bad shit, and they're not really well-liked, but Alabama's damn good. It's kind of giving off, like, UNLV Ryan Nevels vibes, right, uh, for the Crimson Tide. As for Wisconsin, we mentioned it. It would be an, a playing game with Arizona State. I actually do think that favors Wisconsin. Their match against Kentucky, while well, I'm sure a lot of fans remember the 2015 year, Kaminsky and Decker are not walking through that door. Kentucky with Shibwe and with their talent on the outside, CJ Frederick, former Iowa player, uh, Carson Wallace, who's or Casey Wallace, who's been hurt. Uh, but if he could come back, I mean, I, I think Kentucky's a talented team. I do not like that matchup for Wisconsin. Uh, so I, I know the Marquette stuff's alluring, but I would not want to find myself in a six seed or, or have Kentucky as a six seed or Duke as a six seed bearing down. I think you'd want to get someone else in that six spot. Actually, who Palmer suggested, that would be the one I think you'd want to play if you're Wisconsin. So moving to Jerry Palm, Wisconsin, Marquette is a two-seed in that, which is wild. Uh, they're starting to have some two-seed conversations. I think Marquette would need a few things to go right. I think they need to win, not lose to St. John's. I think they would need to win a couple games in the Big East tournament and have a couple others lose. Uh, I, I look at the other two seeds, let's say for Lenardi, since we already have the two seeds for Palm. Let's check that out. So what would need to happen? To get Marquette to a two, an agreeable two seed, where both both these guys are agreeing. So you have right now Texas at a two seed. Texas can't win on the road. It's interesting. Like when do we start having a conversation? Is Texas really a two seed or is Marquette a two seed? Because Texas can't win a basketball game on the road. Baylor two seed. I don't really have any notes there. I think Baylor is kind of locked in at that two seed spot. UCLA as a two. Uh, I, I think there's a case for UCLA to move it to a one. So is that is there a possibility that that brings a one down and then they are the two seed? Uh, then Kansas State, I don't really get the Kansas State one. I think Marquette's a better team. I think they have a better resume than Kansas State. I think Kansas State's getting a lot of love for the conference they play in. And I just, I just don't think they are that good. I don't think they have the non-conference schedule that Marquette does. Like some of their non-conference wins, LSU, who's trashed. They lost at Butler. Mind, they lost by 12 to Butler. They beat Rhode Island, trash. Wichita State, trash. Nebraska, not as trashy as we thought they were. It's like they've kind of cleaned up their act. Like for a while, they were like smoking cigs in the in the yard and and doing a bunch of bad shit. Now Nebraska kind of cleaned up their act a little bit. Now that smoking cigs is trashy, but I it was a bad comparison. I'll admit it. Hand up. It's late. I'm trying to get through this podcast. But anyways, the, all that to say is I think Kansas State's overvalued at the two spot. So we'll see if Marquette can make a run there. Uh, but yeah, if they do get that two seed, they play Eastern Washington. Not fond of that one. East Washington started to leak a little oil after they started out 17-0. So maybe they're coming back down to earth. Maybe that actually would be a good spot for Marquette to take on the Eagles. If they were to win that, 
they would play either Maryland or Memphis. I think both of those matchups are pretty nice uh, for Marquette. Uh, Maryland has not shown that well on the road. Memphis, while is decent in the American, I, I think Memphis just the American at this point is a mid-major, in my opinion, besides Houston. Uh, so I, I feel pretty good about Eat the track meet that would be Marquette Memphis throw back to CUSA days. Uh, John Calipari, slick back hair, the whole whole thing. It'll be played in Columbus, which would be nice uh, for the Golden Eagles. I think you can see a lot of Golden Eagles fans traveling well for that one. If they were to advance, they would take on either Gonzaga, Missouri, or Michigan. Uh, I think, or Michigan, or who is the other team? West Virginia, because uh, it's the, the one of those eleven splits. I think the Gonzaga possibility is a nightmare for Marquette. If they are going to get to that two line, I don't think you want to put Gonzaga in there. Uh, Drew Timmy, it, there's not an answer for Drew Timmy. Uh, it would be a very tough task for what Marquette has and offensively. So that would be one that I wouldn't like. There would be probably an advantage in terms of the you know having fan base and be in New York. Uh, you'd have a lot of Marquette. That's a tough travel. Uh, for Gonzaga to really have any sort of fan base. And if they were to get all the way to the regional final, they'd be playing Kansas. And I would not like that because uh, I think Kansas is the best team. And I think at this point, uh, I'm reserved to change my pick, but I think Kansas is my national champion. So uh, we'll obviously talk about that a lot more in detail. Uh, as for Wisconsin, this to me is the perfect scenario for the Badgers. So I know you won't play Marquette. I, I get it, right? But they would play Mississippi State in the playing game, which would be the first to 40. It'd be one of the worst basketball games that anyone would ever watch. Like, it, it would literally be, you, you'd rather watch old people fuck than watch Wisconsin and Mississippi State. Uh, and then if they were to win that, they'd play San Diego State. Now, San Diego State's been solid this year. They don't play as slow as they used to uh, under Steve Fisher and a little bit under Brian Dutcher. But still, I think that's a solid matchup for Wisconsin. Uh, and then if they won that, they play Arizona. That probably wouldn't go well. But Arizona has also been a team that's played around with their food, kind of fucked around, and then found out. So maybe that works out for the Badgers. But, yeah, I I like that draw a lot better than I do having to play Marquette in Kentucky. I, and I know Badger fans will just be like, oh, fuck it, we'll play them both, whatever, we don't care. But, yeah, I would rather, I would much rather have this second one there that Jerry Palms put it out. No, w, no UWM yet. Uh, when we do this next week, maybe UWM has taken over the horizon. We can start talking about where they're going to put UWM. We'll see. All right. This was a super long show. Thank you guys for hanging out. Uh, we shall talk to you uh, tomorrow. Just Mitch and I. So I'll be back solo to recap the weekend uh, on Monday. But yeah, Mitch and I tomorrow. Uh, stay tuned for that. It's been a while since Mitch and I have got back in the saddle. We are back after a week-plus hiatus. Take care and have a great Thursday. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.